If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Today we're going to introduce you to an influential horse person, someone who's influenced my life, and that's Ron Patterson. So Ron's competed in dressage, show jumping and eventing, has over 50 years experience both nationally and internationally. Ron is also a coach educator, he's a level A judge, he's a judge educator and a judge mentor. And his favourite quote is, just do it. So how are you today, Ron? Very well, thanks. Wonderful. Wonderful. Ron, I'd like you to talk about your very first time when you started riding and started with horses. If we can start there, that'd be great. All right. Okay. Well, I first started and um, I was most probably about six, I think. And it was a case of riding the old horse around the the property a little bit. And then I um, rode to school after that. Mm -hmm. Good. Good. Yeah. So that was sort of starting off bareback with a bag, a corn bag for your a jute bag for your saddle that you put on so so sweaty. Yep. And it was a part draft horse that was used in a cart. So that was it. Then I progressed to a um, a little bit more refined horse, but still an ordinary horse and um, then rode to school. But for many years, I just rode in a pad. That's what it was. Um, Dad bought me a stock saddle and I hated it, so I used to. He used to say, "Well, you've got to ride in it." I bought it for you, so I used to go down the <laughs> ride down the paddock and then take it off, hide it behind a tree, and then go riding bareback. Come home, put the saddle on, and then <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, all right, Ron. That's a a big jump from what you're doing now to riding in a stock saddle and riding bareback. How did you start to ride or become interested in showing dressage? What jumping? What what's influenced you there? Well, how it started, God, you know, I hope we've got enough time to go through this. <laughs> um, <laughs> it started, I was interested in where we used to live at Albany Creek, there'd be some horses and riders go past it from a riding school. Mm-hmm. And they were really sort of quite nicely dressed. And there was one group that used to go past when they had a white shirt and a yellow tie. And it was called Town and, found out, they were Town and Country Riding Club. And they used to live at Zilmer. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the place was there at Silmia. I think it was a Mrs. Turner who had it, and the horses were always well turned out. And I just spoke, was talking to them one day as they passed, and they, they were going off to ride at a sports day down at Astley. So I said, oh, I'll ask a few questions again. I was, was I then 11? And that got the better of me. So at that stage, I had a skewball pony and my shorts and bare feet, I think. <laughs> it was. Okay. So I went to investigate. Mm, to have a look. So I went down there and um, there was, you know, I was quite impressed with everything. It was eye-opened. I'd never seen anything like horses going around in circles and they had novelty events and they had a little bit of a hunter class where they ran around and jumped over batten fences. It was a real eye-opener to me. Like I'd seen at the exhibition, at the show, yes. you go in and see those sort of things as we all did when we were young. So that sort of really did inspire me. And um, so they had a 
couple of little things go. I didn't know what it was. It dropped and cantered around the arena. I went in that and I got a yellow ribbon. <laughs> so I thought that was the best thing. And that was in about just around Easter time in that year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Then after that, I went back again. And then I think my mum and dad bought me some jodhpurs then because they thought it was serious. Mm-hmm. And then it came up to be the Pine Show in August, Pine River Show. Yes. We got the Scoople Pony there and I had mum went and bought me some clothes and I still remember the shop. It was at Yule's at Petrie Bite down there yes. where the... Yeah, I remember. Yes, right? Yep. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> yes <the second. laughs> it was Yule's Settlers and Sid Hills and... Yeah, so from Yule's there, they had all the clothing and everything. Mm-hmm. So there, Mum bought me that and went to the show. We sat around all day till the last, we was at the end of the class, and I got a, a ribbon in that as well. <laughs> well done. <laughs> that, that's where it all started. Hmm? And okay. it went on from there. But then the interesting part was that was August. Yeah. And joined Hendra Pony Club. I met a chap called Bob Williams, who was a stockman and camp person who'd come in and... Um, he was also then a red coat at the exhibition. He uh, lived up the road on virtually at, at the junction of Beckett and Rody Road. Mm-hmm. And we used to then ride from Albany Creek through. I used to ride up to their place, which is a few miles. Then we'd ride to Hendra Pony Club, which was right over by the junction where the freeway goes over to the airport off the M1. Yep. So yep. we used to do that and then get back on Sunday night and then ride the pony to school the next day. <laughs> So we were also sort of long time in the saddle. That That's a great story. I hadn't actually heard that before from you, so that's wonderful. Now, just going to your quote, just do it, what's inspired you there? What's made you say, just do it? Well, that came up, that's come up all the way through, like that first time of mm-hmm. myself taking me down to that sports day. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Just do it. Yep. So yeah. be, before um, Nike came up with it. Because Nike's saying is just do it. Oh, is it? Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So maybe, <laughs> so you haven't pinched it off them. They might have just pinched it off you. Oh, I don't know. Well, that was in 1959. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> all, all right. right. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's come along. It keeps happening all the time. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you might question yourself. You don't know about that. You thought about that's what you want to do. Well, just get on and do it. Hmm? Mm, mm, mm. All right. Now, from there, the jumping and the eventing, I know that, like, Franz Moringa inspired you quite a lot. Is that who started you with eventing? With how, how did Franz inspire oh, no. you? No, no, no. We then, um, there was started in the Brisbane Show Jumping Club. Mrs Nunn was running mm-hmm. that with her daughter Daphne. Daphne then became Daphne Williams, RM, married one of RM Williams' sons, mm-hmm. and Mary Seafried is the youngest daughter of Mrs. Nunn. Mm-hmm. So the um, Brisbane Show Jumping Club, it was called over at Rock Lee. So we used to, went over there and joined that and started some jumping. That's led to that. So then there was also a person eventing. There was a place at Bracken Ridge, a chap called Bernie Connolly. He was a sort of a showy person at the time. And uh, another chap there, Godfrey McMurtry. Godfrey was always out there and he had these jumping books that he'd bought from England. Mm-hmm. And so there were all these photos of Pat Smyth, Bill Smith, Ted Edgar, those yep. old yep. identities. And um, we used to look at those and look at those sort of jumps. And Godfrey used to go away and try and make these jumps. Mm-hmm. 
for us to jump around show jumping. And then the cross country came up. So they built a course out there. And that's where, you know, it was all jumping. Yep. But at the same time with that, the jumping at the shows, that it used to be called Olympic jumping, only just started uh-huh. around the place then. But the main jumping was the open hunter classes around the arena. We'd have six batten fences, about a metre 20. Mm-hmm. And they'd go around and um, they'd mark it, you know, tip in front, tip behind, the horse style and, you know, that sort of thing. So that's what basic jumping was, and that's what I did. I was fortunate enough, Tommy Graham, a chap from Bow Desert, who we met at the jumping club, he had an old pony, uh, well, he's a Galloway really, called Anything, and he was 21 year old at the time, mm-hmm. and he was an amazing horse. In his younger day, he had jumped the water jump at Brisbane Royal, had jumped 24 foot six <laughs> in a. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Big yeah. <laughs> Quite awesome. Then it was a Galloway 14 too. Mm? Gee. So it's amazing, isn't it? It is. It um, is just marvellous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but that's what it was in those days, the water jump and the high jump and, and hunting around the ring. And we used to do also um, pairs of hunters, section fours, where you'd go in twos, then the team up with four, or mm-hmm. and sometimes start off in ones, form up to twos. And then into fours. So there in all of that was precision riding and, just getting on things and, you know, be at a place at a show and say, oh, we haven't got a rider for this one. Come and join in and do this, you know. Yes. So you'd either be riding your horse or they'd just fling you on another horse. <laughs> yes. And that was it. It just happened. No time to think about it. Oh, do you want to do that? Yeah, get into it. Sure. Just do it. Mm? Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yes. then uh, you asked about when, about Fras May Ringer. Yes, yes. He, he came along later. I'd been showing and then my dad bought a pony and that pony was in Tweed, which was really my schoolmaster and teacher. Mm-hmm. He was a camp draft pony from northern New South Wales. But then he turned, we started him, and then we did pony hack classes. I did gymkhanas, so he was able to do all the flag bending and all the novelties. He was, you know, we used to win at most of the high points at the gymkhanas, mm-hmm. do some jumping and that with him. And then he turned out to be a pony hack. I won most of the boy rider classes around. He won the pony hack class the first year at Brisbane Royal, then in Sydney Royal, and then was champion pony hack at Brisbane Royal. Mm-hmm. Then went on to carry me through to be the TA field, which was the Pony Club One Day Event Championships two years in a row. It's uh, good to have versatile ponies, isn't it? Do you, yeah. do you find that because you yourself were such a versatile rider, that's gone and helped you? In your oh, specialisation. Everyone, mm. everyone should do that and jumping. Yep. Yeah? yep. They should do everything. And that's um, what the European, the Germans and that, they all have to jump. They all, mm-hmm. mm, yep. just do it. And they all go on the lunge. So the initial stage of that, we were doing hat class. We didn't know what a diagonal was. We knew what a flight <laughs> change was. Yep. But that was it. And then in 1961, the first year I went to Sydney, Franz Mayringer, um, they just – come back from Rome when they'd won the gold medal in all the eventing and things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were doing that. And here all of us in Queensland didn't even know what a diagonal was. <laughs> <laughs> and in those days the states were so isolated with the horses. Yes. Only a couple of people travelled, you know, because yes. the roads so bad. And I remember the days going down there, around the highways and things. And, my God, you know, when you see today with the freeways. Um, yes. You know, they were Britons. So Franz, I saw him ride, that was the first pre-St. George test ever ridden in Australia. Gee. And 
I saw that and when I saw that, that was the most inspirational thing to me because I'd done two years basically of showing in Queensland, mm-hmm. all the novelties done, all the hunting, jumping stuff, teamwork and all that and thought, well, if this is it, what you know, I've done that. What else is there? And when yes. I saw that, you know, a horse doing extended trot, flying changes every four strides. And yes, yes. It's my body, you know, so I said, that's what I've got to do. I'm yep. going to do that. Yeah, so I had the family support and everything to go along and help to do that. Not that we had that much money, but I had the support mm. of parents, yeah. And, and so he used to come up to Queensland, didn't he? He came up. What it was was the EA, Equestrian Federation of Australia it was called then, which is now EA. They employed France as the coach. And he used to go around different states of Australia doing clinics. Mm-hmm. But they only came once and sometimes twice a year to Queensland. The first one was in 1961. And I was fortunate. I was too young really to go there, but I got permission to okay. go. I think my father was a bit pushy that way. <laughs> uh, it was after the Toowoomba show, yes. and I'd done well at the Toowoomba show with jumping and things like that, and Franz accepted me because he'd seen me ride. He was doing the jumping there then, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the jumping and setting the courses. So he accepted me into the school with the others, yes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's where it all started, and then he had an understanding from that, yes. It's a long I think I've talked enough about no, all of that. No, no, I think that's been a really good basis. And you know why? It's because people listening to the podcast, they might look at people and say, oh, wow, they're really good. They've ridden, you know, they've ridden at a high level. They've done this and they've done that. But if they can look back and say, oh, well, I've gone past the riding a pony to school or I'm still riding a pony just there, they know then that anything's possible. You know, you just got to yes, just yeah. do it, just do it, just keep doing it mm. and keep working towards what you're doing. So we, we can jump ahead and talk about what you're doing now because you're judge, educator, judge, mentor, level A judge. And I know that you want to talk a lot about judging and judging dressage and the importance of, yeah, you uh, you tell me. <laughs> what. Well, the most important part of it all is that the horse has to be your friend, mm-hmm. your partner. And you have to go together as a team, together. Yes. They're not to be used as a means for self-personal gratification. It then becomes abuse of the animal. Yep. So this is what has changed over the years. We learned a lot from the horsemen who were horsemen who said, uh, you know, this is what they get fed, this is what they do, this, as it was in those days. Mm. But in all things the horses was cared for. The horse had whatever you did, you had to fix the horse up first before you even got yourself a drink. Sure. And nowadays, you know, sure, there's the welfare of people and riders, and you have your duty of care and so forth. But it drives me crazy. You're riding around in a group, you know, and it's not mm-hmm. so. Then everyone's got to stop and have a drink. <laughs> yes. You know, toughen up a little bit, everybody. This is, if you really want to get this done, you've got to be, you know, and that takes the focus away from the job at hand. Mm, mm. Mm. I've got a little bit off track there, I think. So what I was wanting to speak about was the importance really of the rider's position. Yes. Because without a position, we can't actually get to communicate with the horse and train the horse. Yes, we can go from A to B, we can turn left, we can turn right. But it, as I said, it has to be a partnership. And to be a partnership, the rider has to learn how to absorb the horse's movement, to go with him 
You know, there's this, mm-hmm. the old saying, don't go before him, don't get behind him, but take him with you. Yes. The rider has to learn this. And this is only from the position. And I'm interesting you we're talking about this because I've been asked to do a talk in Adelaide next week about the importance of the rider's position and how it influences the dressage test. And I thought, I, I'm not a great avid reader about horsing. I'll pick up a few books and look at this. I said, yeah, yeah, everyone's saying the same things, but we all have a different interpretation of what is said in most cases. So you have to be able to be able to sit on the horse to be, uh, and it's best if it's a trained horse to be able to do this, mm-hmm. find what that they're writing about. Otherwise, if it's not that, you have to have a picture in your mind of what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And then you have to search of a way how to get it done. But riding without stirrups hmm, and no reins on the lunge yep. or riding one hand yep. Hmm, yep. is the only way to fix it. You have to do miles and miles and miles and hours and hours of it. Mm-hmm. So you actually learn how to actually to allow your body to absorb the movement because you have to learn about the seat, you have to learn about the leg, you have to learn about your core, you have to learn about your upper body, you have to learn about your shoulders, you have to learn about your arms and your fingers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you can't isolate all those parts of your body and get and coordinate them, you're not going to be consistent in your message to the horse. So one day it's a little bit like going to class and you're speaking English, and then the next day you'd be speaking English and part German, <laughs> English mm-hmm. part German, French, mm-hmm. if you get the message, what I mean. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, you talked about the, the importance of hours and hours and hours and hours of riding, riding without stirrups, riding, you know, with one rein mm. or no reins. You talked a little bit about additional help from Fitness exercise professionals to help maintain correct riding techniques. What can we? What can you talk to me about that? Yeah, that's a very interesting thing. Yeah, thank. That's good you brought that up because because I'd ridden all my life and my wife has ridden all my life. And a lot of people we associate with at the level of standard we do things at. Mm-hmm. We take for granted a lot of things that we don't didn't know or weren't aware of about our bodies. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we had, a, for example, a girl here worked for us for years, and I used to get her to ride without stirrups, do all the exercises, and it wasn't working. She just couldn't. Yeah, it was so strong. She could water ski brilliantly, hmm? yep. pick up the chainsaw, do work, pluck out the stable, <laughs> hay bales everywhere, yep. and a really good and wanted to do it, but she was missing something, mm. couldn't find out. So my wife took her off to Pilates, that worked a little bit, went to a um, a podiatrist, so she had some troubles with it. But the thing that did then really work was a personal trainer. Okay. She was able to compensate with her other strengths and her ability that she'd learned to use other parts of her body without core Mm. strength Mm. somehow. And they are picked up on that and, and then with the exercise. And then as soon as she got that happening, bingo, away she went. It was so good to see. So there, there is outside help for it to help you. And there is so much about that now. Hmm? Yeah. There is a lot up there put out in the media about it. And, yes, so I say people, yeah, go and go for it. Okay. Try it. Do yep. it. Yep. But yep. nothing but by doing that, don't think that you'll be able to sit on the horse. That's a whole different 
ball game again. Uh-huh. Mm? Uh-huh. So it's, it says a compliment, not instead of. Yes, a compliment. Yeah, you need. I think if you're having difficulties with it, go and do that to help yourself be able to complete the next part of the task of riding. Yeah, the be all and the end all. It's a little bit um, like people will go along and, and we see it a lot of um, they'll buy the nice horse, good horse and the best clothes and the best boots and everything and get on the horse and it goes beautifully after they first bought it but after a month or two it starts going downhill and they can't ride it because they can't haven't got a seat. Ron, you're going to talk a, a little bit about the importance of the training scale as well. Ah, oh, yes, a full understanding of it. We can say the words rhythm, suppleness, contact, impulsion, straightness, collection. In what we're using here in Australia, the one word has been missed out. The first word that should be in there with it all is relaxation. Mm-hmm. So um, we merely must have the horses in when you're achieving rhythm, suppleness, contact. If the horse isn't relaxed and not together with you, that is not going to be achieved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's something that we all have to think about. The other thing with to help people coming into it and learning what to do, and we don't see this so much anymore, which is very disappointing, the people won't watch and sit down and give themselves time to watch. You learn just as much by watching as you do by having a lesson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have to get your eye and understand what the picture is supposed to look like. Yes. You can all say that, but start it and then try and picture what that as you've ridden a horse what would that feel like we see all these horses doing lovely things and horses jumping great jumps and the riders sitting there doing it saying wow look at that but if you don't watch it and watch it and watch it mm-hmm. you're never ever going to master it because mm-hmm. you won't have enough standing about mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. okay that's why the old school masters are the best teachers hmm? yes but yes. then we don't have that we are, if you can sit someone on a horse that's trained, you only have to get it a 20% right and the horse picks up and says, oh, I think this is what you want. Yes. So okay. Yes. Yes. But we're, we're all not in that situation to be able to do that. Like when we all started, as I said, there was no dressage. Mm. So we trained our horses by looking at a picture mm-hmm. and talking to one another, going, watching everything. Okay. Yeah. And at, the big thing is in it all too, you have to be your own worst critic and also make yourself the best critic of yes. yourself yes pick all your faults pick all them pick it apart mm-hmm. and then start looking for the nice parts okay yep yep all right i'd like if you could so that people have got something to go away with that they can work on just a training tip for horses and a training tip for riders yeah okay the riders just, i've said it yep a, a good deep seat uh, ride your line, mm-hmm. your speed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And make your horse your friend and partner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But training, those things go hand in hand. Okay. I believe. Yep. I said. Yep. Yeah. Your line, your speed, you can have to, have to know there are circles and there are circles, there are straight lines and straight lines. To get from A to B, you have to understand what straightness is and you have to understand what bend is. Mm-hmm. And just saying it isn't good enough. That's why I said you have to go and watch and look and study. Mm. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. Now, Ron, have you got a book that you would recommend for our listeners? 
oh, maybe maybe the Franz Moringa book <laughs> that you helped put together. Yeah, that's, but that's that, the one, yes. With that, as I said before, I'm not an ad reader mm. because I I go off by what you I pick up a book and read certain parts of it mm-hmm. and say, yeah, 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 that's their interpretation. And that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you read another book, they say it in a way and they end up with the same result. No, just read, take it all in, but look and watch mm-hmm. and learn. Mm-hmm. We say get your eye in. That's what we say yes. in judging. Yes. Get your eye yes. in. in. Training, get your eye in. Yep. Hmm? Yep. Yeah. All right. And so it makes no difference whether yep. it's a great moving horse or just the ordinary stock horse or the child's pony that like someone's just having fun on. They can have fun and enjoy it and do all the same things. Hmm? Yes, yes. Oh, that's excellent. All right. Now, Ron, I'd like to know, what does the future hold for you? Are you doing more judge educating, mentoring, uh, coaching? I've been coaching much, much more lately. Yes, that's where I'm going. Mm. Um, doing coaching um, because at the end of the day, I'm no spring chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and what I have learnt over the years, yep. a lot of it's been lost because of the commercialism of the industry. No one's got the time to spend those extra time to get the horses together, get the riders going. And, the like, the breeders have done an amazing job mm, mm. breeding these wonderful, naturally moving horses. Mm-hmm, mm? mm-hmm. But the same can't be said for the riders and the trainers. I believe now in – well, I, it is the fact now in Europe it is a lot, lot better. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Carl Hester and Charlotte and mm-hmm. people like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pluck as the ones, but there are a lot of people. I'm not just saying them. There are a lot like that, but there are other countries that don't and haven't fooled horses on those lines, which are completely wrong, but they've been winners, mm-hmm. which is has done the whole sport a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the most I have to say, though, I thoroughly enjoy watching so much now the show jumping from the international classes there. They've, and, you know, we have to give credit where credit's due. In Australia, it's getting a lot better, mm-hmm. but they have a long way to go. Mm? Mm. But by watching and looking and seeing, huh? it's, it just takes time. Yep. Yep. All right. Now, before we say goodbye, what's the lesson for today? What's the main thing that people should go away, the thought that people should go away with? from talking to you? I would like them to go away and think of what I said about their horses, their friends, mm-hmm. have confidence in themselves, keep an open mind and be your best critic. Great. All right. Now, Ron, if people need to contact you about um, doing judging workshops, coaching, can they? Can I leave your details on the show notes? Is that okay? Oh, yes, that's all Perfect. fine. Yes. Perfect. All right, then. Well, thanks very much for that interview. It has been fantastic for me because there was a lot of things that you'd said that I thought, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. So um, that, <laughs> that was very good. Uh, and hopefully it's as interesting for other people as well. But it's very good, as I said, to think that that's where you started and you've done so much and just consistently, uh, yeah, just done it or just do it, you know, but been consistent with that throughout and you've certainly come yeah, yeah, it's it's a long journey that you've made, but you've just made it, you know. All right, well, thanks very much, and we'll talk Wonderful to you Wonderful chatting, Anna. Thank, Thank you very much. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. 
If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.